Looks like they were trying to turn life support systems back on again. The door's closed on them deliberately. Commander Burnham, Commander Nan, you're on with the captain. Commander. What is Arium doing? Trying to restore Admiral Cornwall's access to control. No, she's not. Stop her. Now. I, I accidentally spoiled Discovery in doing the research for on you for this episode because I'm actually behind. Uh, I'm only on like season three, um, was it season four, like episode two. So, oh no! Yeah, so I didn't know that you came back, and I was like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> but I'm glad you came back for that for that episode. What was that? I, I you know, I wasn't actually planning to ask you about it. I had just seen it. Um, but let me ask you real quick: like, what was it like coming back? Oh, so good! It's always so good to go back and see everyone again, right? Like, it's. It's like going home to a family, you know, anytime you're asked to go back to a show that you've spent so much time on, it's like, it honestly, it, I mean, it really does sound cliched. It's not meant to, but it, it really, um, I think when you spend that much time with people, like 14, 15, 16 hours a day or whatever that is for months at a time, you, you get very close very quickly. So it felt good. Um, wearing the tight gray onesie after quarantine and getting the quarantine 15 may be not as fun, <laughs> but still amazing. And they're so good to me. So <laughs> that's very cool. And I love that you pop up on, you seem to be making the rounds in all of these like geek culture shows, <laughs> uh, which I really enjoy because I, because I remember so it was Killjoys before Discovery or was it after Discovery? It was right in between. So when the first season that I came to Discovery, I was only supposed to be around for a couple of episodes. And then they, and then I booked Killjoys, which was awesome because I knew that was a bunch of episodes. And then at the same time, Discovery called and they were like, hey, we want Rachel back. And it was like, oh, she's kind of working right now. But then as soon as my availability opened up, boom, I went right back to Discovery. So how lucky was I? I was so spoiled that year. You had a pretty good year. Uh, and anytime someone has a good year, especially during the past few, uh, I think that's great. It's a win for everybody. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Indeed. I want to ask you about uh, being a vegan because I'm one as well. And you went on like this journey of yes. being one and not being one and then coming back. And I just found that to be really fascinating. So I would love for you to, to kind of walk us through that. Oh my God, I love that you asked me that question. That's amazing. Thank you for asking. Sure. And yay, vegans unite. Um, <laughs> I'm actually coming up on my five-year vegiversary. I think it's fair to say vegiversary because I, yes, um, basically what happened was we watched the documentary, What the Health, and we went vegan literally overnight. The next day we were Nope, we're not eating meat or dairy or any of that stuff. And while we did that for sure for the animals, it was for sure for the animals, um, we, we weren't really smart with the way we did it. We just thought, oh, yeah, we could do it. And I'm sure you can attest to this. Being vegan now versus being vegan five years ago, ten years ago, it's a big difference. Like, right. five, you didn't have everything that's available nowadays 
like even two years ago, right? So I think it's so easy now to be vegan, whereas before it was more difficult. And I also felt that um, they don't teach nutrit like I was never taught this stuff in school. You know, what vitamins do, what minerals do, what you need. I have had more education in um, about food and our bodies now in my past like five-year journey than I ever have in my entire life. And um, so after six months, I was craving eggs. I really, really wanted eggs. And I missed cream in my coffee and I missed cheese. And it was all these things like I could do without meat. So I thought, I'll go vegetarian for a bit. But then I saw Game Changers (laughs) and then it just became like, I wanted to watch more and I wanted to understand more because then once I also saw the health benefits that happen for myself, and it's not just about the animals, but it's also about the environment. And it's also about these amazing things I can do for my body by eating properly. And, um, and then, so I think now, as soon as the pandemic happened, that was the opportunity to go back to veganism because there was so much time to research and learn and cook and experiment. So we were very lucky in that sense. There's the silver lining of of the pandemic. Uh, In the beginning for us was this ability to learn more and to get back to veganism. So that's like two and a half years. So, you know, it's been the journey and it's been amazing. I, I don't, the only thing I regret is not doing this sooner, honestly. Hey, it's me, God. I know it's been a while, and I haven't been the best dad, especially this century. Well, I was going through some shit, and you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay, too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money. Like, for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelson. So give him $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. Buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. And if you don't give BJ your money, you and I are gonna have problems. Big ones. Hi, I'm Mike Reese. I've been writing for The Simpsons for 30 years. But in my spare time, I travel. I've been to Iran, Iraq, the North Pole, the South Pole, Chernobyl. (laughs) These are my vacations, folks. I've even been to North Korea. That's the scary Korea. It's all in my new travel podcast on the Believe Network called What Am I Doing Here? It's fast, it's funny, and it's factual enough. You'll hear how I was robbed in Rio, kidnapped in Honduras, dangled from a cliff in Pakistan, and chased by a lady with a meat cleaver again in Honduras. I had a lot of problems in Honduras. Each week I visit all the world's hot spots and hell holes so you don't have to. You're welcome. 
Download and subscribe to What Am I Doing Here? wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. I hear, I hear that a lot from people that have, that have now, like, once they, because everyone seems to go through that cycle, right? Of like yeah. being excited about it and doing it and realizing this is really hard and, <laughs> and, and circling back and they come back. Uh, but then when once they're, once it's a rhythm, they're kind of like, I, I wish I'd done this sooner. And yes, I, I'd love to ask you. So, cause you do a lot of activism around horses. And so did that come out of veganism or did that, was that something that you just had always felt strongly about growing up in, in Canada? Uh, well, I grew up with horses too. My mom was a real horsey person. So the first, I'll never forget the day, uh, the horse trailer, I heard the horse trailer coming in, backing into the driveway. And um, <laughs> my dad's reaction was very funny. I mean, he knew it was coming. My mom and my granddad had been working on a barn. So everyone knew it was coming. But I, uh, yeah, so my mom had gone to an auction and gotten this this feisty little pony named Tinsel. Um, but horses, like... Um, my parents didn't necessarily have the best marriage, and when they were splitting up, uh, being a country kid, your horses, your animals, whatever you're surrounded with, especially the animals, are they're your friends, right? Because you don't really have anyone else. So, um, Tinsel specifically, we had about we had three horses at the time, and Tinsel specifically, she didn't sass me. She used to do all this stuff to me when I used to try to get her ready to ride. She would fart in my face, literally cleaning out her rear back hoof. She would fart in my, you'd see the tail go up and she was so sassy. And when my parents were splitting up and I was there by myself with the horses, it was like, she, it was weird. It's like she knew and she didn't sass me. She didn't give me a hard time with the bridle. She let me nuzzle my face into her, her neck. And, and she was so good to me. And I think animals sense that with humans. And so I've always been very connected to animals because they were always there for me. Right. Um, and so I've always been an advocate for animal welfare, but I think becoming vegan and understanding I think there's a lot of misconceptions around veganism and people doing it for the animals. And I, I think that, I think for most vegan, I should only talk for myself, but for me, farming what it is now is not what it was even 20 years ago. And this industrialization of these beings and them just being commodities for us is very upsetting for me. So and realizing how bad it was. Like, I don't think people realize what what is going on behind closed doors. And with all these egg-egg bills happening, and, and it's really disheartening because there should be this honesty with people when it comes to what, what – this is a conversation for the past two and a half years, what's happening with our bodies. We should know when it comes to fundamental things like food – we should know what where that's coming from. As an example, and I'm sorry if this upsets people, but I just found out that pigs are gassed. <laughs> that's how they die. I didn't know that. And even two, four years into being a vegetarian vegan, you know, I still didn't know that until five months ago. Yeah, they do everything they can to hide it. It's so upsetting. And then you and then you think, aside from just the animals, you think if a big if the meat that you're eating has been like it was gassed, 
if there was fear, which is a chemical, like emotions are chemicals in our body, what's happening with that meat that's going into, what are we putting into our bodies now? Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to jump off the deep end here. <laughs> I could talk about this for hours, but... It's something that I, that I thought was really cool. I, like, I really appreciate your advocacy. It's one, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show was was to, was to chat about this as well as like all the other <laughs> cool stuff that you're doing. <laughs> uh, but let me ask, like, what what would you want to advocate for people who might be curious about just based on your journey, like becoming vegan? Like, what's something that you would want to share with them? I think the biggest thing for me is is not to be hard on yourself. Like, if you're curious about it. That is that is so special because I I had been curious about it for a lot longer than I did it. I had watched documentaries like 10 years ago and I turned my eyes away from it and I was still able and then it's just every I think everybody's journey is their own journey and you cannot and vegans can, some vegans can be very, very hard and it's either black or white. And I think the goal is, is to get there and to, to be able to get to that place where we're not using animals. But I think if people are curious about it, even if you start with one meal without meat, and then maybe it's meatless Mondays, and then try a week or try Veganuary. Veganuary is so awesome. What an amazing resource, right? So try something like that because even in my journey, right, like now I'm very conscious conscious of the clothes that I wear. I do not use leather anymore. And now I've like discovered this whole new world of like cactus. I have shoes made out of cactus leather and I have, you know, instead of down in my jackets, um, I've discovered the wonders of plastic. I mean, this is, you know, we want to get away from plastic, but plastic as a, as a fiber for insulating, for warmth. I have, my jacket is made out of, I think it's 91 500 milliliter water bottles. And it was like a special edition released by the company Roots. And it is so warm. I would, I would put it up against any downfilled coat, you know? So right. y- you learn along the way. You, you, and then you want to do things differently. And, and I don't buy new clothes anymore. I'm like a Poshmark junkie now. And I started a, a Poshmark store. That's another, people don't really awesome. know this, but that's another avenue I use to raise money for animals instead of just dumping it off at some company. Um, cause I realized that big corporations were sort of buying those companies. Um, I thought I'm going to do it my way and I want to donate it to who I want to donate it to. So I don't know. I just think it is, <laughs> you open up, it's like opening up Pandora's box. All these <laughs> possibilities happen. <laughs> so, so I saw that you initially wanted to be in law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, but then there was an accident and then, then you realized that you had to change careers. And I would just love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah, I was really focused on that. Again, this comes from um, being an animal lover. And uh, the reason that I wanted to get on the force was that I would be able to work with dogs. I'd be able to work with horses. Uh, I was never one to to be comfortable with competition. It's very expensive too, as to be in a horse comp. It's crazy expensive. And that was just not my thing. But 
a career where I do love people um, to, to, and I've said this before where, where you're sort of like, I loved the community relation aspect of policing and with the animals. That was what was very important to me was sort of being that bridge. I have been very fortunate to know really kind police officers um, that were sort of mentors to me when I was approaching this. Like, so I did, you know, I did my high school co-op at a police station. So there was cops that were my, like my boss or worked in the same department and I worked in victim services. So I was very, right away, I had this idea of being a, like an, like an in-between, like a, you know, um, and, and I also really love forensics too. So that was another, that was probably the only course in my entire life where I got over 90s was my forensic <laughs> courses. So <laughs> should write a show about that one day. <laughs> you were properly motivated. Right? Exactly. Like, so, um, so that's, that's the deal with that. And then I went to post-secondary education for that for a couple of years. And then I was ready to go. I was getting, you know, uniform experience, undercover experience, like on the security level. And I was really trying to build up my resume. And truth be told, I was far too young, like far, like still a teenager too young to be applying for a police force. But um, at that time, I was also a very desirable candidate um, for the police force, except life experience was definitely would have been a bonus. And I, before my police exam, which includes a physical, um, I was caught in the middle of an accident and pushed into oncoming traffic and I broke my leg. So while I was recovering, like I, I think, you know, when you're young, you just get this feeling of I'm invincible and life is, I've got the, my whole world ahead of me. And, and that's such a cool feeling. But that accident for me was very traumatizing because it was my mortality. It felt like I could have died. <laughs> you know, they had me on a spinal board for five hours. I didn't know what that meant. It was a very intense experience for me. And as much as I think I would have been great on the police force because I do love people and I, and I also do appreciate the law. Um, it just wasn't meant to be. And so that's the joke is like, I, I, you know, you know, in acting, they're like, break a leg. I'm like, I already did that. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of the Harriman Herald radio show. I'm an artificial intelligence using a dead guy's voice for a comedy routine. You can call me Paul Shackman, a name I found randomly in the phone book. It's a very interesting name. How does one become a Shackman? Do you need to build a shack or would renting one be enough to earn you the name? Did Paul's ancestors own a lot of shacks? Who did they have to kill to acquire them? How many victims are there? And where did they bury all those bodies? The world may never know. We only have time this week for one story, so we go live now to Nancy Diamante at New York Stewart International Airport. Nancy. Thank you, Paul. I'm here at the Pull the Plane event taking place at what was once known simply as Stewart Airport. The event has attracted over 350,000 visitors, a number previously unfathomable to the organizer of the event, Harold Murray. I don't understand it. I thought maybe we'd get 100 people, maybe 250, tops, but 350,000. We're going to need the National Guard to straighten this situation out. The trouble began when Harold posted in the Harriman Library's Facebook group about why he wanted to organize the event. I said, I'm suffering right now from a deep existential dread. 
My country has been taken over by large corporations. One political party, the Republicans, are racist, crazy and anti-woman. And the other, the Democrats are corrupt and always act to benefit the corporations when nobody is looking. I vote. I organize. I donate. Nothing changes. Nothing I say or do matters. So, I'm just going to get high and pull an airplane around with my teeth. Who wants to help make it happen? Can you tell us what happened next? Yes. Well, as you can tell, I'm not capable of pulling an airplane around with my teeth. I'm 57 years old and have a hernia. That's pretty clear from my profile photo. Or so I thought. A lot of people liked and commented on the post. When I told people I wanted to hold an event for a local charity and not actually pull an airplane around with my teeth, the post exploded from there. What made the post go viral? People thought I was kidding about the charity part. Really? Everyone thought you were serious about pulling an airplane around with your teeth? That's right. And every time I tried to back out of it, people just kept escalating it from there. Someone who saw the post found a Boeing plane at the airport that the company forgot about. Another man had a surprising amount of bungee cord that probably warrants a visit from the state troopers. To top it all off, New York Stewart International is rarely busy, unless you want to fly to Iceland. So despite my best efforts to call it all off, the event just kind of came together. So I said, fine, I'll do it. What was going through your mind when you said that? Who's going to drive to Newburgh to see a 57-year-old orthodontist get high and pull an airplane around with his teeth? About 350,000 people. Nancy. I am freaking out right now. And you're not even high. That's correct. Are you going to go through with it? I'd look like a real asshole if I didn't. This is Nancy Diamante for the Harriman Herald. Thank you, Nancy. That's all the news from Happy Harriman, New York this week. We now return to What Are You Working On with BJ Mendelssohn. Already in progress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do, what, what do you, would, if you could go back to your younger self, who is going through all this, like who's going through the motions of becoming an officer, what would, what would you say to them? Chill. Chill out. I, I think I'm, I'm very forward-focused. Even now, even now, I would tell myself today, chill out. Like, um, I think, you know, being in the arts and, and it's a hustle and a hustle and a hustle. And I was always like that in high school in college, I was very focused. This is exactly how my life is going to go, and I'm going to do this. And I saw him. I spelt out like the next 20 years of my life as a teenager, and life doesn't work like that. So I legit would just say, just relax. Like everything works out. It always does. It may not be the way you want it to, but it'll work out. Just chill. <laughs> it's pretty solid advice. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, like, who who inspired you? Like, who who was influential in your life? My personal life, I I'm a very private person generally, but uh, my my grandparents are my rocks. I have I don't post a lot of personal stuff on social media. I think I posted their seventieth wedding anniversary, uh, like a toast to them for that their engagement or their. Yeah, it was their engagement photo. Um, they are my rocks. So I think, uh, yeah, them and my other half. I've known my other half since high school. Like we've been together a long time, on and off, sort of like my vegan vegetarian relationship in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> but when you're that young, it's kind of good to, you know. So yeah, they and they've also been very supportive. I mean, my whole family has been 
incredibly supportive of my career. And that is, I'm sure, I'm not a parent, but I'm sure as a parent, a grandparent, you kind of worry a little bit when you're, the younger ones want to get in the arts um, because it's not an easy path. And so they've been very supportive. And I've also had amazing people in my professional life who have been so, I mean, my agents who, who've got me starting, got me going and <laughs> got those doors open. And, and, um, and also there's a director who really gave me my first go. He gave me the opportunities he hired me for, brought me into the union. So, oh my gosh, it's just without sounding like some long-winded Oscar speech. Here's I'm sorry, BJ. This is what you're getting. Um It's all good. This is what we're here for. <laughs> so I yeah, very lucky. There's there's been a lot of people who've been very influential. What would you what would you like to tell us? You know, I want to circle back to the Poshmark store. Um but is there anything else that you're currently working on that that you just would love to share? Oh, well, you know, typical actor when you're not working physically on set um you're auditioning 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 which is great and i and i i you know i think for any actor it's sort of like a bittersweet it's like a tumultuous relationship with auditioning you know sometimes you're like oh my god it's like going back to the drawing board again and it can be very discouraging but i am this is a lesson I need to learn is that I need to appreciate my downtimes. I really, and this goes for anyone who's an actor who needs this reminder and anyone who wants to be an actor, uh, like don't resent the downtimes, appreciate the downtimes because those are the times where you're going to really miss when you're working months at a time, right? So I have also with these auditions, because I am Desperately, I desperately want to be in comedy and I, I work a lot of in drama and I do a lot of sort of police and security and authoritative figures and I, and the real Rachel is not anything like that. Um, and so with the auditions, luckily I've, I've just been having so much fun with them and trying to inject in humor, probably sometimes where it's not appropriate, but, um, I'm still having so much fun with it. So that, and I'm also still working. I've, I started directing like commercial directing, um, several years ago. And then I got really busy in front of the camera, which is a champagne problem. And it's a problem I absolutely love to have, but I do really enjoy being behind the camera. So, um, over the past year, I've also been working with a fellow writer and we've been working on stuff together and we've done a lot. Um, and one of them, um, I'm working on in, in the prospect of this being my first scripted directing opportunity. So again, typical actor, you got a lot of <laughs> irons in the fire and you're ready to go. So that's I, what I'm working on. I liken it to, to lottery tickets. You know, you're just, you're just constantly buying a new lottery ticket and, uh, you never know one of them might hit and. One of them might not. That's okay. And even more than a lottery, though, right? You're just like, it's like opening up doors, opportunities, yes. right? So it's not even like just basing it on luck. It's like, no, you're putting in that hard work and you're, which which is the next one I'm going to strike? You know, I got five opportunities, which is the next one to strike? So, yeah. Sorry, I just putting a positive spin on that. That's all. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great, I, I, yeah, I'm glad that you did because I, I think, 
Like, I try for that to mean positive, but sometimes it doesn't read uh, positive. Like, uh, to me, it's exciting because you never know what, what, what you're going to get. But yeah, I, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely get that. Uh, okay. So, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. You go. Uh, so my, my last question, um, but first, before I get to it, tell us about the Poshmark store. Like, where, how can we support you? What, can we get them, uh, like you know, what, where is it? How to find it? That sort of thing. Oh my god! No, you don't have to do that. Um, it's it's called like my my uh, my name is called Ozzy and I, and that's because um, in the first year of the pandemic, a couple months, and we suddenly lost one of our rescues. So we're rescuers. We adopt. We don't shop. And he was a black cat, so he was. I always. Anyone who's thinking of adopting a cat, I always say try to adopt a black one because they, they really, they, every black cat I've ever met has been the sweetest cat and they, some old superstition that's not even true and it's only here. Cause then I remember going over to England and my aunt was like, I said, Oh my God, a black cat just, you know, went in our, in front of our path. Oh my God. And it's a black, bad omen. And she's like, No, it's not. It's good luck. And I was like, Okay, I'm just taking the English POV from now on. It's good <laughs> right. luck. So, um, so of course, you know, when you're grieving, I, I had, you know, we raised him from a kitten, 10 years, and he, you know, it was so sudden. And um, and so I, I, to keep busy, started, I'm a cleaner. I'm like a little Monica Geller, a little bit when it comes to cleaning. And I was like, that's it. I'm cleaning out the, uh, the every single closets and storage locker. And I had all these clothes. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start selling it and, you know, paying it forward from one rescue on behalf of one rescue to another. So the store is called Ozzy and I. And uh, it's and what I do is I raise I keep the money until Giving Tuesday and then I give it on Giving Tuesday because that's the day I do all my donations because they're doubled. So we want to maximize the support to all of these amazing charities. That's awesome. Like that's very cool. And please send me a link to it. I'll make sure it's in the show notes for people that want to. Amazing. Through. Even more exciting if I can just plug yeah, this uh, for anybody that's listening that's a Winona Earp fan. Um, I actually just found my blacksmith overalls from Maddie the blacksmith, and I'm actually donating them to um, the Canadian Horse Defense for them to auction. So I don't know. We're just working on those details right now, but I'm going to be snapping a pic and posting that when they're available to uh, available to buy. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm also going to tell my sister because she loved that show. She was, <gasps> she was a big fan. She was an Amazing. Sure. Give her a big hug from Maddie and her evil twin, Greta. <laughs> big hugs. <laughs> I will. Uh, my final question for you is just a simple one. Uh, what's something that you've always wanted to be asked in an interview that you just haven't been asked yet? Ah, uh, that's a really good question. I don't, I love that you asked me about veganism. I totally love that you asked me about that because not a lot of people. I, I think I've done maybe two two interviews where where I've been done, but I love that you asked that, and I loved um, just not that it wasn't all about work. So I I love this interview. So there we go. That's yeah. that's it. That's it. I'll, I'll take it. That is that is high praise. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, that's our show. Our apologies to the band. Very sorry. We just uh, we ran out of time. You know, things happen. It's the nature of the biz. But hey, listen. Do you, uh, you got a minute? 
okay, come on. I know you do. Like, you're chilling. You're big chilling. You're just sitting here listening to the podcast, right? So why don't you take a mosey on over, you know? Just leave us a little, leave us a little review, you know? No, 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 listen. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. Everybody asks you guys to leave a review. Everybody's all about leave a review on our podcast and everything. But let me tell you, man, it really helps. You know, it helps get the word out about all of your favorite shows. You know, so like, what, what are you waiting for? Take out your phone. Leave us a review. And, uh, no. Hey, but, hey, I thought I told you to stop smoking that shit around here. All right, you want to go? Okay, man. All right, bud. Let's throw hands. Let's do this. Bro, I sit around waiting to fucking fight you, bro. Let's go. I'll fucking crush you. Why are you you <laughs> oh are you guys still listening Whew. make sure to leave us that review we gotta get the hell out of here man this guy's aggressive <laughs>